you are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is standing tall thanks to Xylem and Phloem. The dynamic duo of plant transportation is here to support your favorite podcast. From roots to shoots, Xylem and Phloem have got it covered. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I am the host of the show, and my name is Steve. Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, and each week I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and then I share about a plant that means something to me, and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. Now, before we meet our guest today, I want to share with you another new vocabulary word. I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, the word I have for you today is etiolation. Etiolation, that's spelled E-T-I-O-L-A-T-I-O-N. And this is that um, process. Have you ever planted seeds and then maybe the window they were in didn't really get quite enough light? And as the seedlings um, sprouted, instead of kind of being like strong, robust little seedlings, they were like getting very thin and kind of stretching out towards the window. Um, Sometimes it's called the seedlings being leggy. Have you ever seen that before? Well, that is called etiolation. And I'll just read the definition from Wikipedia here for you. It is a process in flowering plants grown in partial or complete absence of light. It is characterized by long, weak stems, smaller leaves due to longer internodes, and sometimes a pale yellow color. And then the reason for etiolation is it increases the likelihood that a plant will reach a light source. So essentially, etiolation is a process of a plant stretching, trying to get more sunlight. And uh, I noticed this uh, in a few of the houseplants, which you're going to hear about later in the show that I have. And um, and I noticed this in a few of my houseplants, and you're going to hear about that a little later in the show. I didn't kind of realize they, they, they were etiolating, but now I know that they are, and so... I know that I need to get them more sun uh, so that they don't continue this process of etiolation. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, when when plants uh, don't get enough sun, they stretch until they find it, and um, they sometimes get that pale yellow color because there's no chlorophyll yet, and and they you know they're not photosynthesizing because there's no sun. And interestingly, that process of etiolation is also the same process which we talked about in the recent episode about chicory. Um, where they blanch the chicory, where they grow it purposefully in the dark, so it gets that white color. Um, And also, we talked about that process in the rhubarb episode as well. Um, That is also etiolation, but it's like purposeful etiolation, where also you'll sometimes get etiolation from, you know, just plants that are not growing in enough light. I don't know if you've ever, like, lifted up, like, a piece of cardboard or something that was, like, on a lawn for too long, and you see, like, the grass that was, like, underneath something for too long has that, like, white, long plants. That's also etiolation, all kind of the same process. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting word. And uh, yeah, plants need sun. (laughs) That's essentially uh, what etiolation is. And with that, let's uh, meet our guest today. Who loves the sun? Who cares that it makes plants grow? Who cares what it does since you broke my
Hi, Leah. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Thank you for having me. Do you have a plant to share with us today? I do. My plant today is the Hoya genus. Very good. Uh, I, I, so we, we've done a genus every now and then, and I'm excited about this. And I, I, I don't really know anything about the Hoya. I mean, I've probably seen one, but I actually cannot picture it in my head right now. I'm, audience will know that as even though I have a plant podcast, I'm not much of like a houseplant guy. So, right. um, so I'm very, yeah, let, let me know. Tell me, first of all, why is this plant meaningful to you or this genus of plants meaningful to you? So this, this genus of plants is meaningful to me because it's really the first plant, the first plant I ever got interested in was a plant called the Hoya pubicalix. And I found out about that plant um, via a YouTuber actually. So mm. a, few, a few years ago, my sister gave me a plant, not a Hoya, um, and I was able to, it was the first plant I ever owned, it was, and I was able to keep it alive for an extensive period of time. So I thought, hey, let me let me add a couple more um and then my sister also introduced me to um plant youtube which is which is a lot of fun um and specifically a plant youtuber named harley g and she had this hoya pubicalix um that i just immediately fell in love with and i knew i wanted it um and hoyas hoyas are really interesting because a lot of them are vining plants there's over 400 different species of Hoya um, in cultivation. And this specific Hoya, the pubicalyx, was this wild and fun plant. It grows these long vines, um, and they don't really grow leaves on those vines until they find something to attach to, like a tree or, you know, a trellis in your home. And so I really, yeah, so it's it's a really, you know, and one of the things that, cause, I like tell people when they ask me about about plants is um, you can you should not cut those off because people ask me all the time should you cut the vines of a hoya they're growing these long spindly vines should I cut them and the answer is no because they'll start growing leaves. So uh, that's very interesting. I'm just googling pictures of them right now. Yeah, um, like I you know I've ha- I've had some. Ex- experience where you know you where something gets really like viney and that means that Mm -hmm. like you want to like bring it back in so it like you know stays more compact but it seems like this is just the opposite this is yes this is definitely just the opposite and the hoya pubic calyx specifically is very viney and so it'll do this thing where it'll push out all of these tendrils and they'll kind of um attach onto themselves and kind of do this weaving, weaving thing that's very interesting. Um, and I just, I just fell in love with this plant, found one locally. Um, and this was a few years ago now. So I've had it probably three and a half years. Um, and I, it started out as this, this tidy six inch plant with maybe just, you know, it overflowed just a little bit. Um, and now it's, I have it in a large 12 inch pot and it's just this amazing plant. And, um, I just love it. It's still one of my favorites. Does it does it like spread all over the floor, or do you have to like keep it into the pot, or how, how you explain that a little bit? So it so it's it's like a vining plant, like you know, like a heartleaf philodendron kind of cascades down mm-hmm. over the pot. Um, so it's more it is more or less contained, I should say. So <laughs> in, a lot of a lot of my hanging plants I will have hanging. This one is in such a large pot now that I actually have it um on a shelf. Um and it, you know, it it likes to get friendly with all the other plants on the shelf, absolutely. 
Um, but I just, I kind of let it do whatever it wants, which is very, yeah, very, I'm looking at another picture of it now and it's, it's like a small one. I think one that you might buy in a store yeah. and it's, and it's got all these leaves on it, but then it just has these like little like antenna sp- sticking out. It looks, it yes. is a really interesting look. Yes. Wh- yes. What about that drew you to it? Cause it, it I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, I guess at first glance, you may not think that it's maybe anything too special, but I, I don't know if you, what, now that you've explained it, I get it. So what about it? drew you to it so i think one of the things i really liked about it were the long leafless vines that wind onto themselves um i thought that was just like a really interesting it just looked really interesting it looked different than some other plants that i had seen before and at the beginning of my house plant collecting journey um i had never you know i'd never really seen anything like it um and i mean hoyas hoyas as a genus are pretty common um and they have been, you know, different varieties have come in and out of popularity over the years. Um, but some of these long vining plants that kind of, they just kind of look like generic green speckled plants. Um, they have been pretty popular. You know, they were popular in the, starting in the 60s. Um, a lot of it, it I, I read something recently when looking up information about Hoyas um, that called the Hoya carnosa, which is probably the most common or has been the most common variety in America, um, is as grandma's old-fashioned wax plant. And I thought that was a really good descriptor. So Hoyas are commonly known as wax plants. Yeah. Um, And, you know, everyone's grandma probably had one. Totally. Well, let's let's talk more about this genus Hoya. What can you tell us about that? Like, what are some fun facts and dazzling details about the Hoya genus? So... They're commonly called wax plants um, because of the flowers. They have these kind of waxy, um, almost, uh, the, the flowers look fake. Um, they're, they're really interesting. Um, and so they're part of the, fa- the dog bane family. Um, they're native to the Philippines, India, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, New Guinea, Australia, just to name a few. Um, they're over, I think I said 400 accepted species earlier, but it's actually 500 is what I have in my notes here. Um, and it's been in cultivation for over 200 years. Um, so it's, and it's become a very popular plant. Um, it's, they have some very serious collectors of Hoyas who have, you know, uh, over 400 varieties that they're collecting in their home. Wow. I don't have that many. I have <laughs> 22, I think, varieties oh. in my house. Which is still, you know, still a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> um, probably the most common variety um, is the Hoya carnosa. And then within that species, there's also quite a few different varieties. Um, Hoya carnosa compacta, Hoya chelsea, Hoya carnosa rubra, um, which is a variegated variety. Um, com- they're commonly known as the Hoya crimson princess, Hoya crimson queen. And those are probably I love ones all these that cultivar names. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. They're, they're very fun. Yeah, they are. Um, and that that variety you you see that often in big box stores off um, you know, when you're looking at plants. Um, and so I did mention that Hoya's vined earlier, but they also mm-hmm. they have a couple a couple different ways that they present themselves. Um, so some of them are vining, and some of them grow in a more sh- more shrubby um oh, okay. but probably the more common variety uh 
that we see is, are the vining plants. Um, some of them are succulents. Some of them aren't. Um, oh, interesting. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And some of them are epiphytes and some of them are terrestrial plants. So epiphytes, um, you know, perch on, on trees and then yeah. they get their nutrients and moisture from the air and rain, et cetera. Um, and then some of them are also the the vines can grow really woody as well. And so you know, I have this my my fiance's mom has a Hoya Carnosa that's just enormous. I mean it's she has a very large pot and it's just vining all the way over the window. Um so she gave me some cuttings from that uh a while ago and um the way it grows, since it's, it's this this specific plant is quite old, and the way it grows, it's almost like it turned the stems turn woody after a while, um, and you would think, oh, it this plant must be dead, but it's not. It it'll continue to grow a new a new vine from that piece, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, how how old can these plants get? I've, I've I mean, can how many how yeah I mean decades i i mean the one that my fiance's mom has the original plant um was you know it was her her great grandmother's or something like that so it's whoa yeah yeah wow and that's all then you know me i guess you know what is the same plant when you're propagating is kind of a philosophical question i guess is exactly (laughs) right yeah yeah. Um, so but this, you know, it's mean, not her... like it was from seed, right? It's it's from cuttings, I guess. Right? Correct. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, that's so amazing. Men- well, that's yeah. like that's like back when the the like house plant uh, thing was just kind of becoming a a, a thing. I guess, right. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Super, super interesting. Yeah. yeah. I know. Where do you know, know where that original plant was? Like, I don't know. If, I don't know if you know anything a story about that that great grandma's plant. If you don't, that's okay. I, but it's it's fascinating. I don't. <laughs> Um, I don't, I'll have to ask her. So one of probably the most interesting things about Hoyas and the, probably the reason most collectors acquire them are the flowers. Um, and every Hoya species has a slightly different flower, different color. I'm looking at a picture of them now and I've never seen that before in my life. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've seen as Hoyas, but they're really interesting looking. Um, I yeah. don't know if you can describe them a, a, a bit for, for the audience. So, yeah, so let me, yeah. So basically, Hoyas, their flowers are clusters that emerge from a peduncle, which is a spur that comes off the vine, uh, in between the vine and the leaf. Um, and mm-hmm. at that point, it, it forms a, some sprout flowers um, in an umbel. Um, so it's kind of, it's like a cluster of individual flowers that have like a center point. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and so some of the, you know, and they have, there's variety in between the species. So some are very small, um, and then, s- or they only produce, you know, a few of these individual little flowers. Um, and some like the Hoya Carnosa, um, actually create this really large, dense, almost ball of flowers that appear on the plant. So for instance, the Hoya Carnosa compacta, if you were to look up those flowers, um, it's, they're really interesting in how, how they grow on the plant. It's just kind of like a ball of, or like a cluster of flowers. 
Yeah, really fascinating looking. You should Google this audience if you've not ever seen it before. It's it's very interesting. Um, and I, I'm trying to think of like what to compare them to, but uh, yeah, they're pretty pretty unique. And so, I mean, this is a good question because you know, I've had a few other people on who have house plants, and I I have house plants, and a lot of times house plants aren't aren't like known for having flowers, right? They're right. like there are a lot of these tropical species that like are good in low light, but that means they kind of hold back their flowering is what, what about that? Can you get these to flower? Do they do it often? What? Yeah. So, so it really depends. So, you know, a lot of times they'll only flower if they've reached, if the plant has reached maturity, but that, you okay. know, that can be different for every plant. Um, so that's, it's not, you know, if you have the plant, it could, it could bloom, you know, in six months, it could bloom in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the varieties are harder to get to bloom. Like, uh, the Hoya carnosa is probably the easiest of all of mm-hmm. the Hoya species to care for, but it takes a while for the blooms to form on that one. Um, I think that the easiest, the easiest Hoya I've ever had bloom was the Hoya sunrise. Um, and that bloomed, you know, probably within eight months of my having it. Um, and I only, it started as a very small three inch plant. Um, so definitely not what I would have considered mature by any means. Um, and now it has, let's see, I think the last count was 23 of these peduncles um, that form oh. these flowers. Um, and the interest, so the interesting thing about the peduncles is that, you know, with some plants, you know, you'll want to deadhead the flowers when they're done blooming. But with, Hoyas, you actually you leave the peduncles on there because that's where the flower will grow again and again. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and how long do the flowers like stick around? You know, some plants they're there for like a day, and some plants they're there for a lot longer. Like, how long can you enjoy these flowers? So, it's anywhere from a couple days to a week, depending Ooh, okay. on the variety. So, like, I've had a Hoya Bella that's been. Uh, been flowering for uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks, um, and then I had another another Hoya that was it was a blink and you miss it. Like I had mm-hmm. one day to 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 smell it, and that was about it. So and the and the scent is really excellent as well. Yeah, describing scent is difficult, but if you could, can, can you so, do that? And so it depends on the variety. Um, some of them are floral. Um, some of them have like are reminiscent of like chocolate or butterscotch, mm. caramel. Um, some are very unpleasant. Um, <laughs> there's there's one one Hoya that I have that I've heard described. Um, it's a Hoya species of Finis Bertonia is the is the official name. Um, and I've heard the scent of the flower described as a combination of butterscotch and urine. <laughs> what a what so, a combo. Pungent. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very interesting. And what about your um, Hoya pubicalis? Is that flowered? How does that? Look? It has. It hasn't. I've had it for you oh, know wow. about three years or so, and it's it's a great big plant, but still hasn't flowered. So I'm I'm waiting for that. Really fascinating. Um, and now are are these I, 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 like I mentioned before? I think there's a theme in house plants. A lot of house plants are from tropical regions. And a yes. lot of them tend to be the plants that are like understory plants. And that's why I think they do well in low light because they're used to being crowded out by really big trees. Is that the case with the Hoyas or what? what I mean, there's a lot of species, Gen- I guess, but. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, I, would, I wouldn't say that they were a low light plant by any mm-hmm, means, but mm-hmm. I would say they're uh, definitely a bright 
They they like brighter light. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't necessarily want to be in the shade, uh, but mm-hmm. they don't need they don't want or need full sun. I so see. kind of kind of that is sweet spot that most plants fall into, but maybe just like a smidge brighter light. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, that's super fascinating. Do, uh, do have we missed any fun facts or dazzling details about about this genus of Hoyas? So, yes, actually. So I wanted to talk oh, about good. one uh, one specific species that I have heard of and I've seen, but I've ever never actually I didn't know this information. So um, the Hoya umbricata which is native to the Philippines. Um, it's a shingling type of plant. So it, it shingles up a tree like a um, house shingle. So it overlaps, uh, the leaves overlap and kind of press up against the tree, creating a, like a shingling effect. Um, there's, a, and there's a few other genuses that have, have plants like that. Monstera has a couple plants like that. Um, Deschidia, which is closely related to Hoya, has a few varieties like that. Um, but specifically with the imbricata, it the shingling creates this kind of hollow um, chamber between the leaf and the tree um, that provides shelter for ant colonies. Oh wow, so cool! So yeah, which is it's just really interesting. Yeah, I did I I had heard of the imbricata, but I'd never known that information. Um, I just like I like the symbiosis between plants and and other living creatures. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, okay, one, one other question. If you don't have an answer to this, it's okay. Sure. Um, one thing that I'm really interested, you know, with, with houseplants, because houseplants kind of end up being this whole other world, right? Because they're, like, indoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, often they don't flower because they don't maybe have enough light because in, in, like, nature they're the ones that would climb up the tree. And then finally when they get to the light, right. that's when they decide to flower. And yes. then also, like, uh, you know, you don't normally have insects for pollination indoors. So, like... The whole fruiting aspect is not something you normally get with these. But if these do, I mean, all things that have flowers have fruit and ultimately seeds. Do you know anything about, like, how these fruit or or, or what kind of seed they have? I mean, fruit could be, like, a weird little nut or any kind of seed. I don't. Yeah, I don't know much about uh, Hoya pollination, unfortunately. That's all right, because yeah, it's not something you deal with when you're doing talking right, about yeah. houseplants, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> unless you're. Um, I had a guest on who was talking about you know having a whole bunch of um, carnivorous plants, and right, they oh, yeah. they require to like feed them, but also often the same plants, the same same things they're eating are the same things that are doing the pollination just at different times. Oh, how interesting! So like, yeah, right. Yeah, um, very. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, very fascinating. Oh yeah. Oh, well, is that it? Do we cover everything about the genus Hoya? At least for now, I'm not sure. There's you could go on for years because it's. Uh, oh, I'm, it's sh- I'm sure I. <laughs> I could definitely go on for years. Um, I do have one other interesting thing, and this does relate to pollination. Um, so the the flowers actually, um, the po- or the pollen is packed into sacs on the Hoya, um, known as pollinia. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, which are sticky. And they actually attach to pollinators' legs, specifically moths, but also flies and ants. Um, and Hoyas, uh, the scent that the, f- the flowers give off are often only apparent at night. So it's really, it's doing uh, double duty, trying to attract the nighttime pollinators. Um, and it also, it, it has the sap as well that, that helps attract the, the different pollinators. Interesting. So there's like little a little like sack of pollen that gets attached mm-hmm. to like the interesting. Very cool. Yeah. What a, what an interesting plant. I uh, I 
I keep I keep saying I'm going to like start more on a houseplant journey, but uh, yeah. this may be one of them. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check out. A very interesting uh, genus of plants. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing about uh, the Hoya genus with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? I would love it. All right. So I, I kind of took your lead. and I also kind of picked a genus. Um, and um, and there'll be a few things to talk about. But first, I'm just going to introduce you to the plants. Do you ever name your plants? Not usually. It's, it's Not, something I don't have anything against me. that, but yeah. yeah. It's something that's new to me. I, I, um, we had, I had a guest on a while back that was talking about a... Um, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but she had a, a corn plant, you know, the, the, okay. what's the, what's the, dracaena. Um, okay, yes. N- yeah, not, not corn, the corn, but dracaena, the, the indoor plant. And uh, it was named after her grandfather. And I started researching about naming plants. And I found a few articles that talked about that plants that have names actually tend to like thrive more. And it's a little bit more about human psychology than it is about some kind of thing with a plant having names. It's just when you name something, right. it tends to, you tend to take better care of it. Um, yes. So I, I, I will show you now my three house plants, and, 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 and if you know, you probably will know what they are. Uh, feel free to, to call it out. Um, they're okay. all the same uh, kind of. Okay, here, here's the first one. This is the first okay. one that I named. We, we actually got sent in a little box by our real, real estate agent. You know, she's always sending like, little promotional items, and she sent us this one. This is Toby. Oh, very cute. Looks like a succulent mm-hmm. to me. Indeed. Um, and then we have... Uh, this is Rosie. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Also a succulent. Is it an Echeveria? There you go. It is Echeveria. Okay. So we're talking about genus Echeveria today. And this Perfect. is Spike. So we have Toby, Rosie, and Spike, all named by my wife. She's very good at just naming things. Um, and I say, hey, what should we call this? And she just like says it without thinking. And so Toby, Rosie, and Spike are the three houseplants we have. And they're all Echeveria succulents, which is the genus of plants um, that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, and they're they're re- they're really fat. I mean, I didn't know anything about them. I just know that like they're they're like probably the succulent, right? They're probably the most common succulent. Do you agree? Right. Like as far as like you're getting into succulents, they're, that's like the. One. I think they're pretty common. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, there are over 150 species of Echeveria, okay. which I didn't know. Um, and then and then like the Hoya, there are tons of different um, cultivars within mm-hmm. many of those species. The most common from my understanding, is Echeveria elegans, which is what I think, I think Toby is, is Echeveria elegans. Um, okay. They have a little bit, maybe maybe not though, now looking at pictures, meh, maybe not. I think the Echeveria elegans has like little more plumper leaves than this has, but I, I was going based on the color. Do, do, you, do you have any like, best guess? I'm not guess? sure. Uh, uh, yeah. I'd have to look it up. That's all right. Now, now Rosie and Spike, we got uh, like a, a, a bouquet from a friend and uh, they happen. It was pretty cool. They had like these two succulents, kind of like on a little like plastic, you know, like tube thing where the roots could be in it, like oh, on okay. a stick in the bouquet, which is pretty cool. And I was like, oh, those are cool. Oh, I should like actually yeah. like save those because those are like you know actual like plants. And so right. um, they they used to look. The audience can't see this. It's always fun showing stuff on podcasts because right. the audience can't see. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you can see a little bit here that it's got this little bit of pink pinkness to it. Oh yeah. And it got and it, when I, when we when I got them they were even more pink and um, 
and I was able to look them up, and these are called uh, Echeveria Pearl von Nuremberg, which oh, okay. is a cultivar, the Pearl of Nuremberg. And they are apparently a cross between Echeveria, Echeveria gibiflora and Echeveria... Actually, Echeveria gibiflora metallica is the, is the specific version, <laughs> which is a great okay. name. And then, uh, and then Echeveria elegans. It's a mix. And this one won like a big prize for being like a really great variety. Of right. Okay. I think the Royal Botanical Society called the Pearl von Nuremberg like one of the best. So oh, okay. that's pretty cool. So I've got to, but, yeah. I, but as they, now, something that I've learned like literally like just in the last few days when I was researching this is all of my succulents are kind of like gotten tall. And yes. I now understand that that's because they're not getting enough light, which I feel a little bit bad about now. <laughs> I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> and then also they're starting to lose that pinkish color, which is, I think, also a sign that they they need more light because they right. need more chlorophyll. And they. So I got to. That's, a, that's one of the problems why I don't have houseplants is I don't have a ton of like uh, big windows, particularly on the main floor. Here it's a little bit brighter, but. Right. Um, so. I, I got to see if I can solve that problem for these guys so that they, they don't struggle as much. I feel a little bit bad for, for uh, Toby, Rosie, and Spike that they're yes. all kind of getting a little bit leggy uh, like that. So, um, so yeah, I guess uh, uh, let me, before we get into this fun facts and dazzling details, you know, um, the audience doesn't know that you, you have a plant shop. I do, right? yeah, with uh, my sister. And, and, and do you sell a lot of um, succulents as well? We sell some succulents. I would say mostly I sell tropical houseplants, but uh, recently I've, we've gotten more into selling succulents and cacti as well, which has been fun. Yeah, th that's like a whole world. Like people are like really into succulents. Oh yeah, um, definitely. When they are, you know, it's it really. Of course, it's it's the same thing with houseplants, but there's like a particular like. Um, I, I had a guest on a while back. Her name is Alyssa Bereznak, and she wrote this article. I forget which outlet it was in again. Sorry, Alyssa. But it's like the Bible <laughs> of the popularity of succulents. of like talking about how they kind of became like uh, like uh, the thing they are today. Um, right. Very, oh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's, why, that's why they're meaningful to me because they're the only three houseplants I have. Right, yes. Um, tangent... The reason why there's a few reasons I don't have plants. One is the light, but but uh, uh, two is that you see in the background here that there's also two other creatures. These two cats. There was also one on my lap a minute ago. I have three cats, and so I struggle with like which house plants they're not going to destroy. And they they apparently don't yes. care about these succulents at all. But we had like a parlor palm they destroyed. Um, do you have any just quick advice for like you know cat owners who want to have house plants? Um, let's see. I mean, I would say often. Houseplants and cat owners do not mix. Um, yeah. But I would say if you ha get hanging plants and hang them mm -hmm. higher um, in a spot where they can't jump onto it would be helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would definitely opt for more like succulent plants because those are less interesting. Things like spider plants, even though those are cat safe, but mm -hmm. they're more interesting for cats to play with, I found. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, we had the parlor palm because it was cat safe, but it was also cat fun. Right, exactly. <laughs> they like shredded yeah. it with their teeth. Oh, um, poor thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, that's part of my journey with houseplants, and maybe I'll just have to stick with succulents. Um, okay. A few just fun facts mm -hmm. that I can get into this before we wrap up. Um, one is um, succul many succulents, including these, have this kind of like, like, uh, powdery waxy look to the the surface of them 
Yeah, and I that's a thing that. that you. It's it's a thing that um, you also see on some fruit, like like plums particularly. It's very obvious, and it's it's actually okay. the same effect. And it's something called epiticular wax. So epiticular is like the skin, uh-huh. and it is a wax generated by the plant that basically protects the plant, and it's per- particularly thick on succulents because it, it, it kind of acts as sunscreen through a plant that's oh, in interesting. hot sun. It, pr- it prevents the, the plant from like getting burnt by the sun. Um, it's also, I didn't know this before. I maybe you know this. I think it's more of a, a, tr- a trade word. It's also sometimes called farina, which I can oh, only I've... guess because farina is a word for flower and maybe it looks like they're dusted with a little flower or something. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure yeah. out why it's called farina, but sometimes that waxy coating is called the farina. So I thought that was oh, cool. Okay. Um, the thing that I oh want, before I get into this last part, another thing I I didn't know about succulents is sometimes they're referred to hen and chicks. Oh, because I didn't. Know have that. you heard this before? No, I haven't. I mean, there's a few different uh, genuses of succulents that are referred to this, but the Echeveria is sometimes called this because when you plant them, they'll sometimes like grow like smaller plants around them. Oh, okay. If you okay. put them in like a garden. And so you'll have a big plant, and then you'll have, be surrounded by these little smaller versions of it, and it kind of looks like a hen and her chicks. Oh, okay. I've never yeah. heard heard of it um, specified that way. Interesting. That's great. Yeah, and I think I, I think there's a, I forget the other genus. There's a genus that's a little bit more sp- specifically called that, particularly I think in the UK. But Echeveria is also referred to that as sometimes when they're okay. grown in like a garden in like California or something. Right. Um, okay. The last fun fact is the name. Echeveria. Do you know anything about why they're called Echeveria? I don't think so. This is pretty cool. Uh, they are named for a guy whose name is Antanasio Echeveria y Godoy. And uh, he was a Mexican um, uh, artist. Okay. And he was hired by this guy named Martin Cese y La Casta, who was commissioned by the king of spain to go on this botanical expedition in mexico in the like late 1700s and they did this big like over year long thing where they were just traveling around trying to just catalog all the plants they could see and they brought this guy uh antanasio echeveria along and i couldn't figure out why he got chosen maybe he was just really good at drawing but he was only 16 at the time oh wow that he went on this journey yeah and they like cataloged over 3500 plants and he drew, you know, back then you didn't have a camera. And so, like, you could take back samples, and they did a lot of that. But you also were, like, in the field drawing as detailed as possible botanical drawings of, wow. of these plants. And amongst those was the Echeveria. Um, but what I found out, and this is pretty interesting, um, the guy, Martin Sese, the, who is the, uh, the leader of this, I guess apparently named the Ocotillo plant after... Echever- after this guy, Echeverria. It's, sorry, I've been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. He's an Antanasio Echeverria. The oh, plant okay. is Echeveria, which only has one R, but he is Echeverria with the two R's and the accent on the on the I. Oh, okay, um, got it. They, it, it. The plant genus was uh, was Latinized and I guess Anglified. Um, right. But uh, uh, they named they because you know I guess when you're you go on a plant expedition in the late 1700s, everyone at least everyone gets a plant named after them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but they they named the Ocotillo plant after him. But somehow that kind of got like lost and forgotten. And it was before people had really started really formalizing plant names. Right. So that just kind of got got you know got. I don't know where the word Ocotillo comes from, and that's a cool plant. Look it up, audience, and maybe okay. I'll talk about that another episode. I don't know if you've seen an Ocotillo before. They're like a desert plant too. They're okay, really I'll have cool. to look, look them up. up. Um, okay. But anyway, years and years later, there was this Swiss botanist named Augustin 
Pyramus de Candol. And I guess one of these, like, guys who had been on the botanical expedition years and years later came to Europe and brought a bunch of these drawings over. And this a Swiss botanist who somehow was in the position to be able to, like, officially name plants okay. was really fascinated by all these drawings by Antanasio Echeverria. And so when he had the ability to name a plant, he picked this genus of succulents and named it after this guy because he just loved the 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 drawing so much. Right. And it's really fascinating this guy who never never went to Mexico was able to be the one in charge of naming it. But like right. he named yeah. it after at least he named it after a guy who was from there like so many times like these guys would name plants after just like their uncle or like their like right. someone else who who so this this one's cool, and if you look up his his uh his drawings are really cool. I'm trying to find like a source that has like more of them. There's not a ton of them, okay. but on on I think it's on his Wikipedia. There is what looks like a drawing of some kind of Echeveria with a little flower stalk, which is something I've not seen except for in drawings and pictures. But they have right. kind of a cool flower stalk as well. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting story about a about a guy who like yeah. drew, drew a bunch of really pretty pictures and got the plant named after him, which was oh cool. that's great. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about um, uh, the Echeveria genus, and uh, those are my my three little house plants. Fantastic! Thank you so much. I have a little plant. I always give her water, cause you see, she really loves her water, and she says thank you to me. Even though I never hear it, but she says, thank you to me. I have a little plant, I put her in the sunlight. Cause you see, she really loves the sunlight and she says, thank you to me. Even though I never hear it, still she says, thank you to me. like a pet She'll never give me pretty fruit to eat What you see is what you get I have a little plant I guess I'll keep on caring Cause you see She really likes my caring And she says Thank you To me Even though I'll never hear it Still she says Thank you To me I can tell it very clearly when she says thank you to me. Well, she would if she could talk, wouldn't you, little plant? Okay, you're welcome. Well, it's easy for you to say. Okay, later. Thank you, Ernie, for those musical tips about plant care. I think I will take them to heart in my care of Toby, Rosie, and Spike. And hopefully, if I can get them into a better position in the window where they're getting a bit more light, they will uh, uh, slow their etiolation process and um, become a little bit happier plants than they are now. I'm learning as a houseplant person. Um, and one thing to note to the audience since I last spoke with Leah... I have also brought a new plant into our home. It is a rattlesnake plant, which Carla has named Tabitha. So I think that's it for today. Thanks for listening and talk to you on the next one.
My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Leah Pierce. Leah is an ultra runner, houseplant enthusiast, and co-owner of the online plant shop, Smarty Plants. What a great name for a plant shop. Uh, you can learn more about Smarty Plants at smartyplantsstore.com, and they are also on Instagram. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, you can visit rootboundpodcast.com support to learn all the ways you can help the show, including leaving a review on your podcatcher of choice. Rootbound is hosted by aspiring houseplant guy, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, you could uh, go on a years-long expedition to catalog plants, drawing thousands of pictures of them along the way, and maybe eventually have a succulent named after you. From roots to shoots, xylem and phloem have got it covered.